1: Hi, everyone. Judge Andrew Napolitano here for Judging Freedom. Today is Thursday, October 20th, 2022. It's about 1.05 in the afternoon here on the East Coast of the United States. Our guest today needs no introduction. He is one of our several go to guys on the uh, conflagration uh, between Russia and Ukraine, the military strategy involved, and what we think President Putin is up to next. Uh, former UN weapons inspector and former, sorry, still Marine Corps, Scott Ritter. Scott, always a pleasure. Welcome back. uh, Thank you very much for having Uh, me. Of course. Of course. Thank you. Uh, Can President Putin lose this war?
0: I mean, anything's possible. Uh, you, You never count your chickens before they hatch and all that good stuff. But as things stand right now, no, not there's no chance that he's going to lose this war. The, uh, the, the Ukrainian government is totally in a bind. Their economy is collapsing. Their currency is collapsing. Their military is being destroyed. NATO's losing unity. There's no reinforcements coming. And Russia is just getting stronger.
1: Why uh, do you think uh, declared martial law, which makes the lives of the people under whom it, ha- it will be enforced miserable, uh, in the four provinces, which he now says are legally a part of Russia,
0: well, Before first of all,
1: martial
0: yeah. first of all, martial laws existed in the Donbass, and Donetsk and Lugansk, for eight years. So there's nothing new here. It's just formalizing um, something that was de facto in existence already. Um, and Kherson and uh, Zaporizhia are both regions that are in conflict, and so there's de facto martial law there already. So what, what uh, Putin has done is established a formal set uh, declaration of martial law, which allows specific things to be done in these four territories uh, that relates to security, counterterrorism, etc. It also enables the military to streamline uh, the efficiency of its operations. Again, I, I brought this up to a cop the other day, uh, and I said, imagine Scott Ritter coming in with a Marine rifle company into Elmar, New York. And um, you're a cop and you still are the law of the town. And I ran around and said, hey, I want to do this. I want to take over that building. I want to build a strong point here. And you're going to go, you can't do that, dude. That's private property. This is that. Now I come in and I say, hey, it's martial law, cop. Stand down. I'm in charge. People leave strong point, back point, obstacles. Which one's more efficient from a military standpoint?
1: It's almost, like, uh, it's almost like when the, uh, na- the Nazi uh, army took over France and the Gestapo had to work with the local police in Paris. It's almost the same thing.
0: Yeah, it, but I mean, it's, it's almost like the Union going into Louisiana during the Civil War. Okay, <laughs> they had to declare martial it. law as well.
1: <laughs> okay, 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 got it. So uh, yesterday, um, uh, my guest on uh, Judging Freedom was Jack Devine, whom I think you know of. Uh, life, lifer in the CIA, now retired. And at the time of his uh, retirement, he was very senior management. I asked him a lot of questions. We've cut some clips for him, uh, for you. Uh, here's uh, his comments. It's about 35, 40 seconds long. Here's his comments on the condition of the Russian military. They will lose. They cannot win. He's
2: actually, it's not that he can't sustain him against an insurgency like they tried in Afghanistan. He can't win the traditional part of it. He can't even get the control over it before it starts to crumble. It crumbled when he went across. I didn't realize the poor condition of his military forces, their training, their leadership, communications, and the state of their equipment.
1: Your response? Well, I I mean, um,
0: the proof is in the pudding. Uh, Russia's winning. Uh, Their military is extraordinarily well-led, professional. Do they make mistakes? Yes. Have they made mistakes? Yes. But the notion that they fell apart the moment they they took over 20% of Ukraine. So the idea that somehow they lost is absurd. (laughs) Have have they
1: since vacated or exited, whatever the military term is, a, a noteworthy portion of what they took over?
0: Absolutely, they they traded space for time. Uh, we've had this conversation. They went in with too few resources. Uh, they tried to do too much with too little. That's changing right now. Um, ask Mister Devine how the uh, Ukrainian power grid's looking right about now. Ask him how their, the Ukrainian future for the winter's looking. Ask him what's happening to the vaunted Ukrainian armored corps built by NATO right now in Kerasone. Ask him what the casualty ratio is right now in Kerasone. Ask him what the future of Kerasone is in the coming month. Uh, no, Russia's winning hands down. They're getting stronger every day. Ukraine's getting weaker. NATO's becoming more fractured.
1: Here's your um, friend Jack Devine on psychological warfare being waged by President Putin. Does Putin seem to think that if he's vicious enough, attacking Ukraine infrastructure and utilities, power, heat, that NATO and the United States will either stop getting involved or force Ukraine to a negotiating table.
2: He knows he cannot win on the battlefield. So therefore, he's not a quitter, by the way. He's going to double down. He's betting that we're weak, cold winter. We're not going to stay the duration. We're sprinters. He's a long distance runner. And you look at what he's doing. He's firing these rockets. and It's like the old days when we've had a threat. We'd shoot rockets out into the desert, right? And said, oh, there, take that. So he destroys buildings and civilians. He's not winning anything on the battlefield. It's, it's psychological.
1: He's not winning anything on the battlefield. It's psychological. What do you say, Scott?
0: I think General Armageddon, uh, Sir Vulcan, the commander, the unified commander right now, take uh, umbrage at everything he just said. I always laugh when people go,
1: minute, oh, he's general actual, the general's actual first name is Armageddon?
0: No, that's his nickname. Oh. <laughs> Just to tell you oh, what kind is. of guy he is. <laughs> um, but the, the the fact of the matter is, you know, I was in Desert Storm. We kicked off that uh, that conflict with a, a six-week strategic air campaign where, to quote Jack Devine, we fired missiles everywhere. But oh, there was a purpose to that. One of the things we did when we fired missiles, Jack, was to take out the power grid, Jack, so that the Iraqi government couldn't function. And you know that. Quit making crap up. The fact of the matter is, Russia, you know, you talk about psychological warfare, you know, the Russians have far greater affinity for the Ukrainians than we had for the Iraqis. And that's why they've taken a different approach. Now that NATO has become totally committed, Russia's had to change its approach. And the approach they're taking now is one that more replicates professionalism we brought in terms of waging total conflict Nation, that's the change right now. Russia is waging near total conflict against Ukraine, and you're crushing it, Jack. Pressionate. All right, all
1: right. I, have, I have one more on Jack, but I'm, I'm going to talk to you a little bit just, just to let your blood pressure go down. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, first of all, I have nothing but the highest respect for Jack. Nothing but the that's highest, respect. Great stuff. you know, this is not Fox, and I don't have all the bills and whistles that I used to have. But if I did, we would have you and Jack on at the same time, and if I could afford it. I would invite you and Jack to my home. And we would The three of us would do the whole, or our studio, and we would do this at the same time. Maybe we'll do it at Salenti's. He's got a big uh, studio and, and uh, centrally, yeah. centrally located. But I, bring, um, I drink,
0: can beer, drink beer, not beer. scotch. <laughs> right.
1: You, uh, you mentioned winter, and uh, Jack Devine mentioned winter. And you and I have talked about uh, winter, which is now just a month and a half, two months away, although it's 30 degrees out here in northern New Jersey today. Uh, who, who does the cold weather favor, the Ukraines, the Ukrainians, or the Russians?
0: The Russians, one hundred
1: percent. Why?
0: Well, first of all, the war is an extension of politics by other means, so we can't just look at the battlefield. But I'll start on the battlefield. Um, Russia is operating from a, a position of strength. They have gas. They have heat. They have energy. They have electricity uh ukraine's operation from a position of weakness they got nothing they're going to freeze to death they've been begging nato to provide them with a hundred thousand sets of cold weather gear because their troops don't have it so the troops on the front line are going to be freezing can't go home to warm up in the home because there's no gas there's nothing there's no electricity they can't call home there's no internet connectivity Uh, they're losing big but we have to go out broader because jack mine also talked about uh you know the putin's counting on weakness um hey Jack, yeah, what just happened in England today? Let's trust a prime minister anymore. How many more prime ministers is England going to have to cycle through before somebody comes in and recognizes that the economic problems England has are directly related to the sanctions they posed against Russia? The Germans are realizing that. The French are realizing that. The Italians are. All of Europe is. It's not a psychological war, Jack. It's economic reality. So,
1: I, who I, does I, I'm in uh, 100% accord with the analysis you just gave uh, about why she's no longer or soon will be no longer uh, prime minister and the reluctance of the uh, conservative party in England to recognize reality as their counterparts th- throughout most of Western Europe uh, have done. Uh, I don't usually read uh, comments during the show, but you'll like this one. <laughs> one of these is hilarious. It says, Jack Devine was on the grassy knoll in Dallas. <laughs> Jack, if you're watching, I love you. Uh, let's go to Jack's third <laughs> third, and final comment, Scott.
2: Putin, from his childhood, believed we were the main enemy and we were out to get his Russia. In other words, he is a diehard anti West, anti-American. i love to mention my book in this context. I was too nice to Putin. I I said he was a lousy strategic guy, but he was a good tactician. I take that back. He's not a good tactician, but he is a thug.
1: So is he animated by uh, a hatred of the West personified by the U.S., a fear of NATO personified by the U.S., or is he a patriot trying to return uh, to Russia, that which uh, the Western globalists have succeeded in temporarily taking away? How's
0: that? I think it's. I think it's the last one. He's a patriot. Look, he served his country in the uh, in the KGB. And Jack, if you got a problem with that, then guess what? Who has a problem with you serving your country in the CIA? Uh, he served his country as honorably as you did, Mister Divine, in a different service. Uh, not with the same level of seniority, too. Keep that in mind. He was a lieutenant colonel, doing uh, a mundane job in Dresden, Germany, when the cold when the when the wall came down. He went back to St. Petersburg unemployed. He drove a taxi for a while. Got a job with Mayor Sobchak's office. And anybody who dealt with him, from the U.S. Consular to every non non governmental people, said he was the most honest man they ever dealt with. Never took a bribe or asked for a bribe. Uh, this kind of honesty and integrity and efficiency in operation. Uh, got him moved up the ranks and and subject St. Petersburg, and then over to the Kremlin, where Boris Yeltsin eventually promoted him to several positions, including the head of the FSB, the uh, the former KGB, and then ultimately handpicked him to be president. He inherited a nation that had just undergone a decade of devastation brought on by the West. But did he hate the West? No. He actually started his first years in office trying to court the West, to come up with Normalcy in terms of economic relations, because he knew that Russia's best hope for a improved future was good economic relations with the West, based upon the notion of equality. No more the West coming in, buying off oligarchs, stealing everything. How about the West coming in under normal contract law and dealing with the Russians as equals? That's all Putin wanted to be treated as, as an equal. And by 2005, when it became clear that the United States, Great Britain, and the West was not going to do that. Putin then said that I have no choice but to go it alone. And you look at his 2007 uh, speech he gave to the Munich Security Conference, a classic of modern political rhetoric, rhetoric, and you'll know where he's coming from. He's not anti-West. He's just reflecting on the reality that the West
1: is anti-Russian. Scott, on that, we're going to end. You're, you're at your articulate best. and Now I know how to get you going. It's just to have Jack Devine hang out around here. <laughs> Uh, no,
0: if he's pleasure. on the grassy knoll, no, I don't want to have any of that. He's a good shot. I don't want to do
1: it. <laughs> I'll get Jack. Give Jack an opportunity to respond about whether he was in Dallas on November twenty second, nineteen sixty three. It's, it's not funny. It's just funny the way it was. It was uh, put to us. Um, uh, Scott Ritter, always a pleasure. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me, Josh Napolitano, for judging freedom.